Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimer. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello, folks, and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano Cedroni, and with me, Brian the Angry Man Clayman, my co-host on these uh, podcasts. Today, we got a really good episode. I am really excited because I've got an old friend of ours, uh, David Salston, who's going to be our guest today. Um, David is the Director of Security for Oxford Properties, a global property management company, and is responsible through his teams for overseeing physical security across the country, and I think internationally uh, at this point, David. Uh, emergency management, health and safety uh, also is included with his role at Oxford. David has been involved in the industry for over 30 years. Yep, he may not look it, but he has over 30 years experience and holds a Master of Science degree in, society, in security and risk management for the universe, from the University of Leicester. It is Leicester, right? Not Leicester. It's like Leicester. Yeah. It's Leicester. Uh, David is board certified through the American Society of Industrial Security as a certified protection professional and physical security professional and is a certified information security manager through the Information Systems Audit and Control Association. David is a founding member of the Commercial Real Estate Security Group and is an active member of BOMA, Toronto Security and Risk Management Advisory Committee. And today we're going to really be talking about his uh, his role in leading the charge, I guess, in recognizing security guards uh, for their exceptional efforts in their jobs, um, which I think is far too often overlooked or lacking in uh, in the current environment. Um, and it's called the Canadian Security Lifesaver Association. So we're going to get into that. Um, but before we do that, as always, we're going to turn it over to Brian, our angry man and the resident um, uh Expert in angerness, I guess. Uh, Brian, what's keeping you up at night these days? <laughs> oh, man, Luciano. It is, <laughs> I'm excited to have Mr. Salston with us. He is part of the original Rat Pack. Yep. He's part of my formative years. And uh, I can only say good things about David, but I have been known to sort of stretch the truth in the past. David, welcome. Great to have you and great to uh, be talking with you about your uh, new endeavor. But I guess before we start, uh, I want to go on my uh, claim and rant. And I've got a question for you guys, but don't answer it. It's a rhetorical question. I'll answer it. Why can't politicians answer a simple question? Okay. I'm going to play a clip which sort of demonstrates why I'm angry yet again. Here we go. How many times has the Prime Minister communicated with the Ethics Commissioner? Answer the question. I will give the same answer. I'm happy to work with the ethics commissioner on any questions that she may have. Yeah, it just amazes me how a simple question, a yes-no question to the Prime Minister of Canada, the Right Honourable Prime Minister Fancy Socks, can't be answered. You know, I'm tired of hearing from these guys how they're focused on helping the people of Canada. They spend every waking hour on uh, making sure that taxes are kept low and COVID goes away. Yet the question was, 
Did you talk to the ethics commissioner and tell him about your family being involved with the We Charity? Yes or no? How much more simple can it get? You know, we call that in a business a closed-ended question. It really is, and you do that in court, and you do that as an investigator. You ask a question, it can either be open-ended or closed-ended. And closed-ended is preferred so that you could pin down the person that you're talking to. But it's, it's political babble where it's not just the prime minister, but all politicians. I think they, before they get sworn in, they have to take a course on political babble. They just don't answer a question. It just drives me absolutely crazy. I'm better That's now. It. Holy crap. <laughs> well, you had well, told me off her to yes. stop talking as much because we want to keep this under keep three hours. So. You're right. <laughs> um, I, just a quick retort to that. I don't think they take a course in Babel. I just think they get their cortex removed. And uh, <laughs> that all goes with it. <laughs> so so with that, let's get to our guest, David Salston, uh, to Brian's point. We've been together, really, as a group for since 2009, 2008. Maybe, even, no, actually, even before that, because I was with Cadillac. So it would have been 2007, yeah, at least for me, yeah. long time. And we've done a lot of great things down there. And I think one of the things that has always been missing, and we've had these discussions uh, over beer most of the time, um, is the failure of recognition by business owners and I think by society in general to appreciate really what uh, what the guards do out there on a day-to-day -day basis. And this organization that, that you're part of, uh, David, and I'm going to ask you to do an introduction and explain to us what, what it's about, obviously, and, and what your role there is. But I think it's a great step in the right direction. It's, it's long overdue. And, uh, and I think I'd like to hope, and we'll get into what the feedback's been, I'd like to hope that you're getting good feedback from the industry in general, but in particular guards who often probably get, you know, feel out uh, uh, overlooked or underappreciated. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, David, and introductory remarks and let us know what you're doing. Sure. So thanks, Luch. I thought actually we were going to get into the what keeps us awake at night, but hey. Hey, you're <laughs> welcome to do that too. Chime in on that if you like. It's an open no, that's, that's, David, that? it's, that's okay. I mean, you know, Luciano is trying to wean off of his medicine and we did have sort of a script or a playbook. So I apologize on behalf of protecting your assets, the oh. podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. Take it whichever way you want to go, right or left. <laughs> Listen, no, no, I, I, I actually welcome the opportunity to, to talk about the organization. So, so it's the Canadian Security Lifesaver Association. And um, just a quick bit of background on this. This actually, the, the kernel of this started towards the end of uh, December 2018. And we were doing an end of year get together to talk about service levels. I was with uh, Kevin Sanjari. And, you know, part of me thinks, Luch, you may have been there at some point. But uh, in any event. I was, yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> The, the the whole background behind it was um, Kevin was describing, you know, like Kevin's a passionate guy about his organization, as, as all, of, all of us are um, about Kev, our organization. Kevin is, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Kevin Sam is Jarrett the from Paragon. Paragon, president yeah. of Paragon, yeah. Correct. So, so he was describing to me, you know, uh, a save that one of his security officers had um, in that, in where a woman was getting assaulted, actually he was beaten quite badly and he happened upon the scene took the appropriate action and this would have had a tragic outcome and uh for that he put together a program to recognize and reward and coincidentally like literally i think just before that meeting i got a phone call from from one of our teams had had a save and it was actually a, a locked zone resuscitation mm -hmm. uh narcan resuscitation 
And we started jawing about, you know, how often does this happen? How many are we seeing a year? And, you know, where I only have visibility into a small subset of the security industry, this is happening right across the land. So we said, you know, what if we reach out, what, you know, beyond Paragon doing something, what if we reach out to the other organizations? Do we have anything in place to recognize these groups? And I called Neil Sutton from Canadian Security Magazine. I said, are you aware of anything like this? And he says, not specifically in this area. And, you know, he's got his pulse on, on the industry and has for years. Um, Sherry Ireland, who I talked to, said, hey, um, there is the Ralph Day Award, um, but that recognizes one person for one act type of idea. And I went, we have an opportunity here. And that's that's where my headspace was. So we spent, I guess, the next, well, well, actually the first award was was given in March, 2020. But prior to that, uh, Hamid Anissi from uh, Paragon is the VP. He sussed out creating certificates, designing the medallion. It's not a, it's not a coin, it's a medallion. It's an incredible award, incredible looking award, uh, putting a website together. So um, we started calling some of the industry leaders and saying, what are your thoughts on this? Does this hold water? Does it make sense? Or is, is something like this being done already? And we heard, no, it hasn't. Certainly not in Canada. And uh, so we kicked her off. Um, that's kind of the background behind it. That's that, that's awesome. It really is. I, I was involved well long before that with an ACES attempt at doing those private sector uh, award recognitions. And I was helping them organize the private sector one. So I, I can speak to some of the challenges with getting the, the applications in and vetting them and making sure that it's, um, you know, um, the vetting process is fair, transparent, all these kind of things. So can you share with us, you know, what does it take to qualify for that award? What are you looking for? What's the process to, to, to get to the end of it and end up uh, being recognized as, as the winner? Sure, Luch. I mean, I mean, well, nothing gets done, like when you talked about challenges, and we had a couple really cool uh, conversations, but nothing really gets done without an incredible board behind you. And, and you know, like I said, I mentioned Kevin Sanjari from Paragon. I talked to Sherry Ireland from Security Exclusive. Neil Sutton has been a fabulous partner from, from the Canadian Security Magazine. But we've also got Jody Reed, uh, and, and the reason I bring him, he, he put together actually the original criteria uh, from H&R Reed out west. Christina Duffy, um, former chair of ASIS International Paladin Security. Um, JD Clean from G4S. Uh, Dennis Alahi from, Alahi from uh, Corps of Commissioners. He's out west as well. Scott Young from Garda World. Tanya Poppleton from U of T. Mario Cotino from Toronto Blue Jays. Mark Sinarine from Canadian Tire. And John Colley from uh, uh, Rescue 7. And John's been with us from the beginning. So... All of which is to say, these are leaders recognized across the industry. I mean, so any challenges that we might have popped into, their insight and their background and their experience has really assisted us in moving this forward. I, I think, you know, credit goes to the board, to you, David, and to the board members, because you've put together a real stellar group of people. And one of the challenges in the past of getting the industry together is really getting the industry together, getting the right people around the table at the same time, agreeing on a direction. So I've been watching you guys for the last year as you develop, and I've just been amazed at how much you've accomplished and how much you've become part of the uh, Canadian security scene in such a short time. It's just amazing. I, you know what, Brian, that's an interesting point. So, so my view of security has always been that we work in the background. You don't really have to notice us until 
we need to be noticed until we need to do the job. And I, you know, it hasn't been that short a time. When you think of the powerhouse on that board, uh, literally hundreds of years of experience, and they're known everywhere. Their reach is all over the place. In fact, probably all over the globe. So um, props to them for helping me out. And a shout out to Sarah Wellstead, who who manages our, our, our media. And, you know, without her work, it wouldn't have gone as far. Um, we just relaunched our, our branding. Um, on our website, CanadianSecurityLifesaver.ca, from by uh, Susanna and uh, the Evolutes team, uh, who did a phenomenal job for us. But you know, you were talking you know, on your rant about double speak. Luch asked a question about criteria, and I went everywhere but there. So maybe <laughs> yes, I can become well, a David, politician. <laughs> yeah. Before answering, I heard that you're thinking of running for politics. So is this part of your training? <laughs> not a chance, my friend. Not a chance. I am happy work doing what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah. Go ahead, Luch. No, the criteria. Yeah. So. Uh, the original criteria was put together by Jody Reed from uh, H&R Reed at West. Did a great job on it. Um, and then we sat together as a working group and said, okay, how can we work this better? Very, very simple. It's Canadian Security Lifesaver Association. First on the cri criteria, did they save a life? I, that's self-evident, one would think. But um, there's there's things that come close that didn't really save a life versus one of the discussions we got into was what happens if they had a VSA call and they were able to resuscitate the victim and the victim dies anyway, right? And how do we recognize that? That was one of the challenges, right? And how we worked through that. Um, was it timely? And I always laugh at this one. Well, of course it was timely because if it wasn't timely, we wouldn't have a positive <laughs> yeah. outcome. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, how did they work as a team? Did they use special equipment? Uh, what about the coordination with other teams, whether that's police or EMS or dispatch or what have you? Um, the professionalism, uh, as they were acting, were they completely professional and doing the things that we would want to, uh, our security teams to do? Um, is Was there an element of bravery or heroic actions? So those are those are all the criteria. And the cool thing about having the number of people we do on the board is we all have perspectives from you know, different walks of life, um, different backgrounds, and we all score differently. So when we concatenate all of those scores together, that's when we come out to, and, and you know what, we've, we've, we've been close to ties, but never bang on. In, the, in, in the, the, no, sorry, please finish. You're the guest. I have to be nice to you. I don't have to be nice to Luciano, but I have to be nice to you. <laughs> no, the, and, and oftentimes, like, we, so we do an award each quarter. And we we get anywhere from, you know, 8, 10, 15 as we're growing. And the thing I'm curious about is when, you know, the world kind of opens back up again, um, how many are we going to receive? And I don't think we've even scratched the surface on submissions from the healthcare industry. Mm. And you got to imagine that they see a ton of these, right? Yeah. Like saving yeah. episodes. I'm just curious, uh, you guys are focused, the nexus, I think, is there has to be saving a life. So it's really not a, a recognition of heroes, per se, because a hero can save a life. He could also stop a bank robbery. He could stop an abduction. Is The association doesn't look at that at this point in time, I believe. Are there plans to recognize meritorious actions of security officers in the future? Or are you guys really laser focused on the life uh, saver aspect? I, 
My perspective as the current chair is I'm laser focused on life-saving actions. That may be a crawl, walk, run strategy, Brian. That's, but, you know, from what we've seen and the stories that we see coming in, I mean, that's, that's the best part of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Is when you see something come in and, and some of the stories are incredible and you just go, wow, um, the public needs to know about this because it's not advertised enough. I think that's enough for now. Down in the future, man, that's, that, that's a conversation for the rest of the board. No, I'm going to point out that Brian jumped ahead in the agenda because I was going to put that forward later, but I'll let that slide, Brian. I'm a bigger man than you. I do well, want to talk I, about... <laughs> was I supposed to read the notes before the podcast? <laughs> no, I want to ask David really about... Um, I mean, obviously, saving a life is, is, is important, and I, I also agree with with Brian, that there's probably a lot wider scope that you guys can eventually get to. Um, but I really wanted to take it back a step towards the underlying motive for creating the reward, the awards. It, you know, to me, it seems a little, uh, and I'm not, I don't mean to be disrespectful by any stretch, but when I, when I say focusing just on the life safety aspect is so narrow because I think they do so much more. And what I'm getting to with that, David, is you know, you and you know, we all know we've been involved with these with with the business long enough. We've heard of the guys. You think about the the, the guy from Paragon with the machete attack uh, years ago. You think about our own guarding programs. How many times have we heard guards save lives with AEDs or stepping in to intervene with an opioid overdose, um, assaults? You know, all these kinds of things that they deal with on a, on a daily basis that really doesn't get any limelight. And you talk about, and I hate using the term heroes because it's so freaking overused nowadays. But I mean, by definition, some of these guys, that's what they are. I don't need to say the industry is, but they certainly have heroes within the security industry that, that would that would encapsulate what a hero should be, not just because they fulfill the role, but they actually meet it uh, at a higher level. So did that play at any level into your creation of the award and it's is you know to, to brian's question earlier do you see that becoming part of the scope at some point uh, to, that goes beyond the the life saving component that you're currently focused on I, you know what it, that's a great question i guess you know my thoughts off the top of my head luch is that everybody sees the world differently and you know the industry you know when we see movies like uh Paul Blart, Mall Cop. I mean, yeah. it does a disservice. I mean, uh, we see enough negative connotations of security groups, and then you know, and and it's not helped often by their own associations in in yeah. some aspects. Mm-hmm. So when we have the ability, so so for instance, if you're in an organization and they're driven on whether it's profit or it doesn't matter what vertical it is, security plays a critical role, but they play a really small one, right? Yeah, we wanted to bring to light the incredible stuff and saving a life is incredible. And there's enough of those stories that are out there for us to actually leverage that to start fighting that perception um, and and actually uplifting the public perception of security, at least North America. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware out in um, the the Netherlands, um, security officers are on the same level as police officers, as teachers. I mean, that professional, they, they, they've made that work because their expectation is, is that they're part of the community. And frankly, when we have undertrained guards, and I know you guys actually harp on this all the time, you do a great job, you know, identifying what the challenges are. When you harp on that and not on the positives, yeah. people only raise to the level of the expectation. And yeah. if we can raise that expectation within the industry, then we've got something. 
And you, you I just know, want to change that perception. You, you brought up a good point, you know, uh, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, you know, we in, in this podcast uh, have often talked about when things go wrong, you know, and the challenges that aren't being met. But I think what you guys do is a real service because I think by and large, I mean, security plays a vital role. And it's important that people understand the role it plays and the things that get accomplished. In that respect, uh, you know, we in the security industry know how how, how valuable the uh, efforts of security officers are and the things they do. Are, are you getting a feeling that the public, that the businesses that employ the security guards are starting to uh, value what they do? I mean, the association puts a light on the positive stuff. It's nice that the security companies and people like Luke and I and you appreciate that, but we always did. But what about the people that this podcast is trying to attract? Not the security professionals, but the yeah. business professionals. How's that working out? Because I think that's an important area where we've got to educate. Okay, man, you're going to leave that over the plate. I'm going to knock it out of the plate. So, <laughs> so, so from an industry perspective, I mean, when I talk to the industry leaders that are part of the board, um, they're all in on this, right? So like when you talk about sponsorship, Paragon, and as I mentioned, Garda World, Paladin, G4S, or all our gold or our platinum sponsors, are in our gold sponsors like Rescue Seven by the Commissioners, Security Exclusive, you know Oxford, um, Condor Security, Iron Horse Security, and, and like Via Rail, for instance, uh, provided passes when we can travel again to to winners. So they're in. And the second part to that is the fact that when I watched a ball game the other night, and there was a security guard behind plate that was snoozing maybe a story behind that yeah. right he may have just gotten his mm -hmm. uh covid vaccine maybe working a double shift maybe also but that perception doesn't help us we as we in the security industry we know and certainly coming from the front lines they've knocked it out of the park and, I, and i've always said never let a good crisis go to waste we've been dealing with a pandemic and from an essential worker point of view the security teams out there, and in fact, all the essential workers should be wearing a special badge of honor. Mm -hmm. They've kept everything going. And this is a perfect time for us to take advantage and leverage the work that they're doing. Because, hey, we wouldn't be operating and be ready to recover and come back if they weren't doing what they were doing every single day. So, you know, we have to thank them from the bottom of our hearts. Well, you know, I take my hat off to you and the board and your colleagues because when you talk, when you look at uh, uh, COVID, the pandemic last 13, 14 months, and essential workers, when we say the word essential worker, we think about some of the works in the grocery store or at the gas station. But security is, I think, one of the ultimate essential workers. I mean, the reality that people in this country have to understand is that we have, I think, 40,000 police, but we have hundreds of thousands of security. And if we didn't have those hundreds of thousands of security officers, We'd have 100,000 police officers. They play a real role so that we can enjoy the lives that we enjoy. Even if you look at COVID right now, at every one of these vaccination sites, there are security people there to keep order, to do the triage, to make sure that it goes orderly. And I, I really think what you guys are doing is noble because it's giving attention to people that really don't get the attention. They don't get the respect they deserve. They don't get remunerated the way they get remunerated. They get treated terrible often. Yeah. But notwithstanding that, they kind of work every day, and the vast majority of them, you know, shoot it, uh, hit it out of the uh, ballpark. 
So it's really important the stuff you're doing, and it's really important that someone talks for the industry. I think we were talking off air that, you know, I noticed that there's a lot of organizations that lobby for their, you know, industry. You got the teachers unions that are very vocal. You've got CANASA, which talks about the security technology industry, the alarm industry. You've got ASIS for the most part, really, that talks about security management, okay? But no one advocates for the guards. So I really am impressed and, and, and really uh, uh, eternally thankful to you and the board for what you've done because Luke often says, you know, I'm very hard on the guards, I'm very negative. I'm not hard on the guards. I'm hard on the industry. And I, I've, I have a soft spot in my heart for the guards. And you guys really are focusing on that. And I think that's going to drive this industry forward. So, again, yeah. I hate to say nice things to David Salston, but not to the other board members because they're all my heroes. I have a lot of respect for those guys. But you guys have done a great job in such a short period of time. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I, no, I was just going to add in there quickly. Oh, um, oh Luke, he was going to say more nice things about me, and you interrupted him. <laughs> Perish the thought. I was going to actually add to, to Brian's comment because every once in a while he does come up with something that makes sense. Uh, but this is one where I think, you know, it's, it's bang on. We all talk, we talked about the underappreciative public when it comes to, to guards. And in particular, through COVID, you're, everyone's being called a hero except security guards, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, and, and no disparaging, I'm not, I'm not disparaging any of the other professions, but when a nurse has a problem with a patient, who does she call? Security. If a doctor yeah. has a problem with a patient, she calls security. If the retailer has a problem with somebody not wearing their mask, they call security. And at the end of the day, it's security that's at the pointy end of the stick. And often that doesn't get acknowledged at all by the media. And they're dealing with some pretty, you know, ridiculous situations out there. We've heard about people getting this. Well, unfortunately, there's been security guards who've been shot and killed in the U.S. in particular over a mask. Right. And, and, and yet we still treat them like Paul, you know, Paul Blart, the mall cop. It, it, it's, it's discouraging. It's upsetting to me. And that's why I've got a really, so, uh, you know, strong, strong, soft spot for them. And I take it, I take exception to when people start cutting into them because I know that a lot of them are out there really working hard. A lot of them work two or three jobs. They're not working just the one 12 hour shift that they're, you know, for your client. They're out there and they're going to another night shift after they've done your day shift to make ends meet. And then they get upset because they're not smiling in the morning. Well, they've had a rough day, you know, so we got to cut them some slack. Well, you know what, Luch, I, and um, the types of stories that we're getting in right now actually speak to that kind of microcosm of what's happening out there in society in general. So I let, let me take this opportunity to share a couple of the key stories and what we're Absolutely. starting to see. Um, like our most recent winner, Marty Kane, out in Calgary, um, uh, he saved a young boy from being mauled by a dog. I mean, the, the young kid went and underwent a ton of surgeries. Um, he had the opportunity to go through the surgeries because Marty jumped right in, was ha hammering on this dog, was just doing a number on him. Um, no thought to his own well-being. Uh, so phenomenal that way. But we're also seeing a ton of, I think Burgess would call it, people in distress calls. Uh, there used to be mental health issues, but, you know, we can't diagnose that. But We've had a ton of submissions with relation to naloxone says resuscitations, which speaks to currently the, the opioid, the current opioid crisis that's going on, right? Um, we've had a ton of other submissions with relation to suicide prevention. Um, there was one where a, a woman who was at a hospital, a hospital setting, um, she went in and a the victim had tied a phone cord around her neck to the point where they had to use shears to get it off. Um, 
like like terrifying stuff. There was another one uh, submission where a woman had wrapped um, heavy weights around her legs and was just about ready to jump into uh, Lake Ontario, as a matter of oh, fact. Geez. And uh, there was uh, one of my favorite ones, uh, and it, it speaks to the diligence of the security teams. Uh, there was a security officer just uh, getting ready to come off shift, and he'd seen a guy walking out to an area that you don't go out to all that often. And as opposed to saying, you know what, I'm going 10 6, I'm out of here, he took a walk around the building back to where the individual was, and he had strung himself up to a tree. Yeah. But because of the diligence, the security officer was able to save him. So we're seeing the opioid crisis um, resonate in the submissions, we're seeing mental health crises uh, relate. And I guess my fear, and, and you know, we talk of, talked about jokingly, you know, what keeps me awake at night. As we get into recovery, and it's not all negative stuff, but as we get into recovery and reopening, have we effectively prepared our teams for what may come? We know there's going to be a lot of happiness. There's going to be a lot of euphoria, a lot of joy. Um, are they ready for the other stuff that may come out? Because hey, we've been... Let, let, let me ask you the stuff you say you just the examples you just gave were really powerful and again i think a lot of people are going to be surprised to realize that it's security officers in many cases that are making the difference but just like for other emergency responders and police and fire and ems and nurses and frontline people mental health issues ptsd they have all sorts of support mechanisms to help them is the security industry, in the association's opinion, uh, are we there yet, or is there more work that needs to be done? Because the stories you tell me, I can only think have to really touch in a very visceral way the security officers, the guards, men, women that witness that stuff. So how are we supporting them? Are we doing a good enough job? You know what? I, I think with the quality organizations that are out there, they recognize the potential impact for you know those events to to. Uh, to negatively impact uh, security officers' lives. I can share with you, I, we wanted to do a story on one individual. And, uh, you know, we reach out and say, hey, before we post anything or pictures, you know, are you cool with this? And the response from the employer is, um, this person had to leave the industry. It was so impacted by what she had to deal with that just done. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. There's a visceral reaction. But for the, the security companies that, that are really on spot, and taking care of their teams yeah they have the same setups as large organizations they have the um you know the uh, chappelle's they have the employees the yeah. assistance plans yeah so yeah. I, I think the big players absolutely do i i would add though you know as you listen to those stories and and the support mechanisms that they have they're still at the bottom of the of the of the scale so to speak like when you talk about guards that are trained in mental health for example we're really talking about four hours, six hours. You know, they're not social workers. They don't get an annual recall like police officers do. They're not trained to those levels. They just have sort of a strategic cursory touch point with a number of areas that they're going to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet they still find a way to make it work is my point. I'm not I'm not saying it as a way to, to downgrade the earth. I'm actually saying it to, to, to illustrate how committed they are despite their lack of training in most areas, which is really basic at the end of the day, they still perform, they still meet and exceed those expectations, which I think says a lot about the type of people that get into the business. Yeah, and, and David, I just want to echo what Luke just said, because often my point is when I'm taking adversarial position, it's, you know, I'm frustrated with the industry. 
but there, the industry is changing, and the the a lot of the people that are behind your association, industry people, are really the 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 cream of the cream, and they're really the trendsetters. But I think the credit goes to the the individuals because these people are cut from a certain type of cloth and it's nice when we get to the point where it's part of the corporate culture and a lot of the security companies are imparting the corporate culture on the employees but these are just special people because there are security guards that are great and there's security guards that are terrible and there's cops that are great and there's cops that are terrible and there's teachers that are great and teachers that are terrible so i think that You've got great people that are coming into the industry. We've got really forward-thinking companies. And when you put those two together, we start hearing the success stories and see the value that uh, guards in the industry bring. Yeah, I, you know, I think just to, you know, kind of tie into a couple points on the mental health side, I think I know when, you know, the three of us are starting in the industry and, and I came from boots on the ground um, mm -hmm. and no apology, absolutely loved it, loved the experience and loved working with the people that I had the opportunity to work with um, and actually miss those teams um, on the day in and day out. But in those days, when you dealt with, with difficult, challenging situations, it was, you know, really a suck it up buttercup. Um, whereas one benefit that we've seen from this pandemic and all the conversations around mental health is that it's okay not to be okay it's okay to have a down day and it's okay to tell you know your co-workers hey man i'm having a tough time with this so you know i, I applaud the work that's on there um with relation to how this ties into maybe where we go in the future um i grant lecky reached out to me and put me into contact with jason brown jason's out in the uk and he's like hey we're running something called the international security officers day which is july um 24th which happens to be 724 because 24 7 is how first responder uh, groups operate and so a plug to them first of all for doing that but we kind of get we get denigrated a little bit saying hey, security officers don't have the training. No, of course we don't. That's not what the expectation is. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the coin, this isn't a negative sum event. It's not police versus security. This is community working in partnership, knowing their yeah. roles and reacting to that. And I think you guys do a great job of recognizing that and, and identifying ways that you can help organizations to do that. Can I add uh, on this topic, David, two things. You've seen the stories. Um, you're more tied to the front line than certainly Brian and I, Brian and I are these days. Um, what, in your opinion, is does it take to be a good guard, first of all? And, uh, you know, in top three, you don't, don't need to get into too many specifics. So what does it take to become a good guard? And the other piece, which should probably come a little bit out of left field, but how is technology impacting the guarding, um, the ability to, to, to guard better? So when I say that, I ask... I'm thinking, you know, AED, AEDs, for example, allow us to deliver, you know, for CPR when in the past we would have had to be pounding their chest. Um, you know, that type of technology helping uh, to, to do the job better. So yeah, what makes a good guard, right? Um, I, I think I think what makes a good employee, period, I don't I don't necessarily look at it as as putting it into I mean, you've got to wanna help people, you gotta to wanna to be interact with people. And I don't think you you don't want to be someone who's unafraid of conflict, uh, right? Because you're going to get conflict. Part of the mm -hmm. rules, security officers to enforce rules, and no one ever likes that. Um, so you have to be prepared for that. But overall, I think to be successful, successful in the industry, 
it's like any other industry, lifelong learning, environment changes. And, and with technology, Luch, it's, tr- it's changing so fast. I mean, where we used to run things and we could be in a static position for a couple of years at a time, we're like six months turnover. How can we do this better, harder, faster, stronger, smarter than anyone else? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the key. The technology, life-saving, the life-saving equipment, um, that's just enhancing response time. It's, you know, it's not four minutes anymore. It's, hey, those video analytics saw someone drop. We can get there right away. We have yeah. the equipment. We have the training. Um, I've seen drones being used in places uh, that are very difficult to get to, to drop off emergency supplies, to help people who are in distress. I mean, all of those different pieces can only enhance that that response time. And like I said, the security industry under the health, if you read the Halcrest report years ago, it said security outnumbered police in North America like three to four to one. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a zero sum game, a negative sum game. It's a zero sum game. This is a collaborative game. Yeah. And that statistic's only going to grow because what's happening in policing, the challenge they have is they're putting themselves out of business. I mean, it's getting too costly. And yep. you're going to see more uh, partnerships with security working with police. I mean, you know, I think our police officers earn every penny that they make. However, it's not sustainable. If you look at the hundreds of thousands of people that are protecting Canadians, it's not sustainable for that to be hundreds of thousands of people at a hundred plus thousand dollars a year. So I think security is going to grow. I think you're going to see more and more security officers. And I think we've got to take it seriously because they're they're a force for good, but they'll only do good if we give them the respect and the support and the training that they deserve and they need. And it's in our interest to do it. It's not for them. It's for us because they're keeping us safe. Absolutely agree. David, before uh, I'm the guy who keeps track of time. So we're, (laughs) we're, we're moving along. But before we uh, we move to, to towards closing, you know, I, I wanted to see if you had any crazy stories to share with us from the submissions. You know, we I remember during G20, we saw a couple of protesters pooing in our buildings. We've seen peeing in our buildings. We've seen uh, uh, the, the stabbing attack in uh, Shopper's Drug Mart a few years ago. So there's some crazy stuff. There's some ghost stories circling around the downtown core. Anything that comes to mind that you want to share as a, you know, one of or, or just a, an interesting story? You know, honestly, Luch, I think they're all interesting. I I think my perspective on this association is is that this is positive. Um, And the outcomes is what I focus on, not the craziness that happens necessarily in the background. I'll tell you, I was stunned by the sheer number of Narcan opioid resuscitations. Um, that, that blew my mind. I thought that was a, that's a, a real bellwether for what's happening in certain areas of the country right now. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one that sticks in my mind, but really I'm focused on the positive. That's, uh, and, and, you know, when we're getting, and I remember saying this to, to the board on a meeting we had not too long ago, I said, you think about, we're getting like 10, 15 nominations every quarter. That's 10, 15 live save that we know about, Yeah. that we know about. I mean, there's a, bunch more stories out there and you know i would implore everybody to you know hop on the canadian security lifesaver.ca website and and check out some of those stories because we actually list them yeah that's awesome is there any opportunity to i know you said that some organizations um it's hit and miss in terms of who's recognizing uh, security efforts but is there an intention to link up with somebody in the states for example that would be a natural sort of partnership before you go over to europe Bang on. I mean, uh, from from a perspective of where do we go next? 
we started this in Canada, right? Just because it happened to work in Canada at the time and didn't really have a mandate out. So, but I'd really like to know if there's other stuff like this, that, that similar happening in other countries. I'd like to see like chapter of this everywhere that we're building that public perception of security as a true community enabler, um, an absolute benefit to your, whether it's your community or your business. And people recognize the, the great work that they're doing. I want to see that in every country. That's where I'd love to see it. Nice. You know what? Final thought from my, from my end is that um, there's a real uh, opportunity to drive uh, change into our communities. But when we have the opportunity to go back, take the time out to be grateful. When time permits, uh, hug a local security officer because they've knocked it out of the park this year. <laughs> David, uh, I'm sorry, you just lost me with this last part with the hugging. You know, in case you uh, <laughs> haven't I'm heard, we're, 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 we're still in pandemic restrictions, so maybe fist bump is what we want to do right now, and then we <laughs> see the hugging. Right. Yeah, okay. Well, the UK has actually issued some guidance on how to hug properly, so we're getting there slowly but surely. I didn't know we needed guidance on how to do it properly, so I guess that's a surprising new world that we're we're heading towards. Um, I'm going to before I turn it over to Brian, uh, I'm going to say you know thanks, David, for this quick and dirty uh, overview of uh, the fantastic work you're doing, recognizing security officers for their efforts. Long overdue. Um, congratulate you and the board for for having the courage to step forward and and build the program. And I think there's a positive, there's a huge future ahead of you. I mean, right now you're focusing on life safety. We've talked about that, uh, saving lives. But there's so many other avenues that you guys can probably consider going forward. And uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck in those endeavors and uh, setting the standard. You know, you can lead the way globally. If nobody else is doing it, then you burn your own path. So kudos to you guys, and thanks for being on our show, Brian. Yeah, the same thing, uh, David. The uh, credibility that you and the board bring to the industry is long overdue. And I think the success of uh, uh, the quick success over the last year and the continued success is the consensus and engagement of the senior security leaders in this country gives a credibility which is going to propel you guys uh, uh, forward in, in a real meaningful way. You know, the Canadian security industry is I think special. I think we've always, uh, we have never had to feel like the little cousin to the Americans or the Europeans. We've got ourselves, uh, we got our stuff together. We've got some really strong visionary leaders, both on the enterprise side, as well as the company side. We've got some really impressive security guard companies out there right now. And I, I've seen it in the many years I've been in this business that the quality has only gotten better and better and better. And uh, I really uh, think it's a real great uh, a career choice for any young person wanting to get into safety, security, or policing. So, you know, well done to you. Well done to the board. i really, really impressed with what you guys have done. But, you know, one last thing I would say, I'm really impressed because of your involvement, because the others are real consummate professionals. So they've been carrying you <laughs> and making you look good. <laughs> But there you'll learn is. from this, and you'll be a better practitioner. He just—he can't help himself. Well, you know what? I will always allow Brian to be wrong, right? You can't take that right away from him. <laughs> we, we, we should do a podcast just about that. <laughs> I'm going to keep that. I'm going to cut that clip and reuse it. I will never allow Brian to be right. Um, so, so with that, folks, we're going to sign off. Thanks for, uh, for being here today again, David. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Cheers, lads. 
That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets. Oh, my God.